Hey there, have you ever thought about starting your own podcast? When I was trying to get the gem on the Queen's Crown, the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast off the ground, I had a lot of questions, such as how do I get my show on Spotify and all the other places people love to listen? How can I make money with this podcast? And where do I want to host this show? The answer to every one of these questions is really simple. Anchor. Anchor is a one-stop shop for recording, hosting, and distributing your podcast. Best of all, it's 100% free and ridiculously easy to use. And now Anchor can match you with great sponsors so you can get paid to podcast. As an Anchor user myself, I love how easy it is to upload my podcast and the fact I can get to Spotify and other platforms. Plus, I love the fact I can now start making money with my talent and my podcast. So if you've always wanted to start a podcast and make money doing it, go to anchor.fm slash start to join me and the diverse community of podcasters already using Anchor. That's anchor.fm slash start. Welcome to episode 4 of the Gem on the Queen's Crown, a podcast about Cincinnati and Dayton sports. I'm Lee W. Mowen, and this episode is a very special episode, and I'll tell you why. It's our first special guest episode, and I took a poll on Twitter, and 49% of 53 voters picked the local basketball guru. And let me introduce the man, the myth, the legend himself, Jim DeBelt. Jim DeBell can be found on Twitter at jdabs86. That's two Bs, one D, one J, and one eight, and one six. jdabs86. Jim, how are you doing today? I'm doing wonderful, Lee. I'm really honored to be your first guest on your podcast. I, I really enjoy what I've heard so far, and um, I think it's going to be a big hit for you. Thank you, Jim. Thank you for taking the time to becoming my first special guest. So, yeah. Jim, let's I, I think, focus on yeah. you for episode four. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, Lee, um, about 32 years ago, I kind of found a passion that I really enjoy, and that was writing, sports writing, and basketball. And when I was in high school, I went to Tippecanoe High School here in Miami County, and uh, our girls' basketball team was very successful. And uh, my English teacher at the time was also the girls' varsity coach, Hall of Fame Tom Reddig. And so Tom asked me if I wanted to help out with the team. He goes, you know, uh, you know, we'd love to have you on board. And I was just very raw in the whole, the whole basketball business. So I ended up coming on. We ended up, um, we went to the district finals, um, hit a buzzer beater in the district finals against Sherwood Fairview and uh, or against Kenton Ridge. And then went to the regional finals against Sherwood Fairview and hit another buzzer beater to go to the state final four we go to the the one year the state was up at akron we played uh akron hoban obviously which is from their backyard and we beat them to go to the state finals we played millersburg west holmes who had won over 100 consecutive games we're up two points with seven seconds to go and no three-point line we're at the line i'm thinking we hit one free throw we're state champs we're going to knock them off we miss, they come down, they hit a bucket, tie it up, go to overtime, and beat us. Oh. 
on the bus trip home, Coach Redding said, um, what do you think about this? And I said, I am hooked. I said, you know, I've always liked basketball. I grew up a Dayton Flyer basketball fan back in the Roosevelt, Chapman, Damon Goodwin, Ed Young era hmm. back in the 80s. And so I always loved the game. And I knew that girls basketball was really underappreciated to the point to where nobody really did anything with it. So Coach Redding suggested I put the two together, my writing, love for writing and basketball, and promote the game of women's basketball. And 32 years later, you know, obviously I'm still at it, going strong, love every second of it, and really am honored to be able to promote, you know, Ohio basketball, which is, by all experts, one of the top three states in the, in the country for producing talent for women's basketball. And you're absolutely right on the fact that girls' basketball is just underappreciated and love you have for the game definitely shows as you have the DeBelt Report. And we're going to start off with that. Uh, one of many things you do for the wonderful sport. Now tell me, where does the DeBelt Report take you? Well, Lee, what I did was uh, way back in the early 90s, I kind of dabbled a little bit around the state trying to do a little bit of, like, rankings, promoting, stuff like that. I wrote for the Ohio High School Basketball um, Magazine. You know, it was some kind of a magazine they had out in Indiana, actually produced in Indiana. And I was the only girls writer. It was all boys and three pages of girls. So um, I did that for a couple years and uh, just kind of did some AAU work, enjoyed from, uh, going around watching the old-style AAU. And then after it uh, took a few years off, I came back, and in 2003, I created, I'm like, you know, I really wanted to get back in the, uh, in the, into the girls' basketball scene a lot stronger because I was kind of like, kind of stagnant, kind of like, well, what am I going to do next? And so in 2003, I created the Develop Report, and it is, it's promoting the game mostly in the Dayton area. We have our top, top 100, top 50 preseason, postseason Anything and everything, so, so, so people, co college coaches, fans, parents, and so forth, and players could follow the talent and the teams and players from around Southwest Ohio, and in particular the Dayton area. And still going at it today, you know, obviously, um, actually about to do a facelift on the Develop Report, about to do a, uh, a little bit of a different look to it. I'm going with a little bit of a different design. Hopefully I'll get that done today or tomorrow. And um, just kind of freshen it up a little bit. You know, we're getting ready to start the new season here in a couple of months. And, you know, right now girls basketball is, is in Ohio is extremely talented to the point where I cannot remember in 32 years a four-year window of consecutive years of this kind of talent. It is absolutely off the chart, and it's going to get better and better. What's your take on – the amount of talent that Ohio has trickling to the area and outside the area for college hoops? Well, I think the biggest misconception that people have is they ask, why doesn't Dayton and Wright State and Miami sign more local kids? Well, let me tell you, they're trying to sign the local kids. There's a lot of local kids that they are trying to go after, and they've had several great players come through. Kelly Austria, Ali Malott from UD, Courtney Boyd, Chelsea Welch right now from Wright State, 
you know, Megan Galloway from Greenville's at Miami. So you look at the you look at that and you, and you see so many of the bigger players that the top players are. Obviously, they have dreams of going to the Yukons, to the Notre Dames, which is where Catherine Westbelt's at right now from Fairmont, uh, mm-hmm. to the Ohio States. Um, but I, I really believe that the local schools, you know, I think they're doing a good job of trying to get the local talent. Like I said, each they've, they've had local talent on the rosters in the past, and they've been successful. So, you know, I think for, for each kid, I think it's just a matter of what they, what they love and, and you know, they all have dream schools. Some of them can can reach their goal, and some of them, you know, some of them still get that scholarship opportunity, but maybe don't reach the UConn status or the Ohio State status. But ultimately, I think the most important thing is to get that free education and get that four years paid for to where your their parents and them are debt free when they walk out of college. What's your take on how Ohio is so successful in the sport of girls' basketball? Well, I think a lot of it, Lee, has to do with the coaching. Uh, We are very, very blessed in Ohio, and I know a lot of states probably claim the same thing. We're very blessed in Ohio to have some outstanding high school and travel basketball coaches. Um, They do a great job of preparing the kids to play at the next level. Um, The high school coaches um, put together a plan Obviously, the talent in Ohio is so good that, you know, the state tournament and the Classic in the Country, for example, are two, like that, that event right there, the Classic in the Country, um, and now the new one they have, the Journey to the Tourney, which is down at Lakota West in November, they always bring in the very best of the best. And um, I think what that said, I think it's, it just shows that the talent in Ohio is just astronomical, you know, um, I think the fact that they, the kids are prepared, some good trainers in Ohio and the surrounding states that can get the kids prepared to play at the next level. And I think the kids are working hard to reach that goal. You know, they have a goal that they've set, and they have tools around them to help them reach that goal. So I think Ohio is very blessed in that capacity to have really, really great basketball um, all over the Buckeye State. You know, if you ask any high school basketball fan about flying to the hoop, bam, it's instant right out with the facts. But these tournaments are just as big as flying to the hoop with the teams and the talent you get to see across the way. And I did not know about the tournament at Lakota West. That is something for myself and fans to watch out for as well. Yes, the journey to the tourney is Thanksgiving weekend. It is Saturday and Sunday at Lakota West. He just released the schedule today, and without looking at it, I'm, I'm trying to remember from the, from the immediate Dayton area, Tecumseh, Centerville, Beaver Creek are in it for sure. I can't remember who's all in it. Lakota West is in it. Mason, I believe, is in it. Um, I don't have the whole list in front of me, but there are several schools that are involved in this event that's going to be you know, and it's, it's a big draw for college coaches. They do that to they bring in teams that have a lot of recruitable players, so they bring in a lot of college coaches. Uh, Classic in the country is the, is, the, is the grandfather of them all when it comes to in-season high school girls tournaments. Um, every year they have a tremendous number of college coaches up at Berlin Highland. Well, now they have this sister event down at Lakota West, and I would recommend, Lee, if you even get down there to, to check some of it out if you can because – 
it's the best of the best town in the state of Ohio. That's something that I'm circling on my calendar right now. I mean, you have something like that in your backyard, and Lakota West isn't too terribly far away. It's closer to Cincinnati than it is Dayton, sure. But at the same time, it's a pretty it's a pretty good locale right there. Yeah, absolutely. You know, look at Andy Fishman does a great job at Lakota West and they're a former state champion. And um, you know, with it being in between, you know, closer to Cincinnati, obviously Cincinnati basketball at the division one level is extremely talented with Mount Notre Dame, Mason, Lakota West, um, you know, schools like that are you know, very talented schools. And you, you know, you look at the opportunity to bring together the best of the best that weekend. You know, if you're a girls basketball fan, especially Sunday, some teams have games on Saturday. I understand that. But Sunday, you go down there on Sunday, and you're going to see a lot of the great, great players and teams in Ohio. Several games, six or seven games that day consecutively. And um, I would strongly recommend it for fans to get down there to Lakota West uh, that Thanksgiving weekend to uh, check out that, those games. Now, you mentioned previously about Beaver Creek being part of the tournament. Now, the Beavers are still led by Ed Zink. Is that correct? That's correct. Ed is, Ed is still at the helm of the Beavers, and uh, they have, they've got some very exceptional players. Uh, Bailey Drawn and Lexi Moore, Corey Dilsaver are three players that I really like. Carmen Williams also is this talented player. Beaver Creek's a team that I think, um, and they got some young kids. They have a freshman, um, Anna Lanning, that just uh, got offered by Wright State going into her freshman year. She went to the Wright State Elite Camp and received an offer, and she hadn't even played a high school game yet. So you look at the talent Beaver Creek has, and that's just you know that's just one of the teams. Fairmont, just in that league, Centerville, Fairmont, Beaver Creek, are always traditionally strong, and this year looks to be no different. And like you mentioned, not a minute of high school action and Wright State, bam, trying to keep the home crowd at the Nutter Center. That is spectacular. Yeah, she's a great player, an outstanding kid, and um, I look her upside. Her upside is going to be tremendous. Um, six foot, six foot one kid, good, strong kid around the bucket, and she's a kid that I think will just get better every year. Now, you mentioned the tournaments. And you have yourself a couple under the pocket, including the Thursday after the state finals at Urbana High School, the Dayton Underclass All-Star Game. Talk to me about that. Yeah, Lee, that's, that's an awesome, awesome thing. I, I'm so blessed to have great people working with me on that. Um, you know, it's been in Urbana the last couple years. Um, I'm not sure for sure if it's going to be back there again this year. Um, maybe thinking about moving it over to uh, maybe Edison State College on a bigger floor for a college atmosphere. Um, that's, that's still way early in the works. But, you know, the opportunity to allow these freshmen through juniors and all 40 of these kids, you know, you know people don't understand, you know, when, pe- when these 40 kids come into this game, I would say 35 or more of them, have the potential to play in college um, once they graduate. And so, you know, you look at the opportunity, where else can you sit in a gym as a college coach in January, in March, 
Um, and like I said, I don't charge. There's no charge for the kids. It's a great event just to bring the best together, the college coaches, you know, the, and that's a whole subject for a new day. How much they get charged in the summer to attend some of these big events. But you know, the, the coaches. There's no charge for the coaches to get in. We we do charge very minimal for the information to help you know help with finances for the event. But we don't charge the kids anything. And the opportunity for the uh, coaches to see 40 kids under one roof um, in, in a one-day small atmosphere like that is, is second to none. The all, you know, it is the top underclass all-star game in the state, and um, that's happened rather quickly because the reputation is that these kids want to be involved in this. And the DeBelt report isn't just, oh, hey, here's a game, it happened. You talk about the players, and you let fans know which ones to keep their eyes upon. And there was an event you told me off the air about the Top 50 Banquet that's held in Tip City. Tell me more about what the DeBelt Report does for these athletes. Well, Lee, what they do, what we do in November is, um, and it's, it's, it's always been, um, a lot, it's been one of the most enjoyable days for me because I get to really push out a lot of names to people, especially coaches, that want to see who the players are in Dayton that year. So what I have in November is on November 19th, I always, uh, it's the Sunday before the season starts. Mm -hmm. I have, I release the top 100 kids in the area. And this, it's, and the top 100 is just a figurehead name. It's more like 120 or, you know, there's more than 100. It's maybe 118. Next year may have 121. But it's the top players coming back in the state, in the area. Sophomores, through seniors only. Freshmen have their own freshman to watch list, and that's a list of incoming freshmen that I think could immediately or at some point become an impact player for their team. But the top 100 is sophomores through seniors. Then out of that top 100, I pull out 50 kids. The top 50 kids um, are listed as the top 50 in the area, and we have a, a special dinner preseason tip-off banquet uh, it's been at Trotwood the last couple of years. This year, it's at Tippecanoe High School, and um, you know I, I I cater in food for all the kids. They all get to eat for an hour. They get to hang out with their AAU teammates that they haven't seen for a while. Um, then high school coaches have a hospitality room, so where they can also enjoy some food. And then at six o'clock, everybody recon. And then usually the parents will go out and have like a together night on their own to go get dinner while the kids are hanging out. Then at 6 o'clock, everybody reconvenes in the gym, and it's, uh, they all get introduced. It's live on the Gem City Sports Network. Doug Brown does a great job with that. And then all the kids get introduced, recognized. They're all dressed up in really nice um, banquet type of, a, of apparel, and they, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's an opportunity to tip off the season like nobody else in the state does. And it's a great chance to show everybody just how good Dayton basketball is um, every year. Jim, you've been writing about sports for 32 years, and the DeBelt Report has been around since 2003. That is a lot of high schools to cover just in the Sunday area alone. How do you manage this? Well, I see a lot of kids, although this year with my, with my job I didn't get out as much. But I will go to a lot of shootouts. I'll, I'll, I'll check out a lot of events um, that like the club coaches go to and host, and and the local guy or the statewide guy 
which is the Ohio Girls Basketball Report. They host three or four events a year that I'll go check out these kids. It'll give me an opportunity to see, like I saw a couple kids last Saturday up at Toledo at the border battle when Ohio played Michigan's, the All-Stars played each other all day. And I saw some kids there that I had not seen yet. So it's an opportunity to see them there. I see kids sometimes in June, um, but obviously the most important thing for me is to is to promote the kids throughout the season. And, uh, you know, like I said, at the end of the season, we have the all-area team, which is a big thing because a lot of the all-area team, not all of it, but a lot of it is, is the all-star game that I have is based on that. So I try to, um, I try to get out as much as I can. I have a lot, I have some eyes that help me out, like you know, like kind of like low key, just kind of let me know of players to keep my eye on. Mm-hmm. So I have a lot of indirect help from people in the area because they just want to see this, they want to see it succeed. They want to see the kids get their exposure and get their just due. Jim, that is a lot of athletes to see and a lot of games to see as well. But I'm going to go ahead and jump into the question in your time covering girls basketball. Who's been some of your favorite athletes, and who's and what's been some of your favorite games to see? Well, on a local aspect, um, I really have enjoyed, like even back into the '90s, when you have people like Lynette Roth, who was an All-American at Covington High School. Um, you have Megan Duffy, who is now a CJ. Tamika Williams and CJ, who are both college coaches now. Megan's a head coach at Miami, and Tamika is the assistant coach at Penn State. Um, you know, you have a lot of kids like that that I've enjoyed watching throughout the years. Allison Bales, who went to Duke from Beaver Creek, our kids. And now even in the today's, even in today's group, you have a lot of kids that, you know, are as the game grows, their exposure and publicity grows. So they're getting a lot of national recognition from, you know, th- there's a lot of people – there's a lot of quote media out there that um, essentially just put their put together a Twitter account and call themselves media, but there's also some national media that do a great job in promoting even our kids. So it doesn't take long for the great, the, the good media people and the great players to be recognized, um, and it allows them to quickly move up the ladder as far as recognition. Uh, but some of my favorite games that I've seen. Uh, I, I remember back in 1992, I went down to Logan High School in southeastern Ohio down by Hocking Hills, mm-hmm. and I watched Urbana and Logan play. And Logan had a girl named Katie Smith who was a three-time gold medal winning WNBA all-star, all-time leading scorer in professional basketball history for women, went to Ohio State, and uh, they played Urbana who had Janon Rowland who went to Purdue played a year for the Orlando team in the WNBA. That was just a great, and the atmosphere, the game was on a stage. So if you can imagine, the, the, you had seats like theater seating, and the gym and the court was actually on a stage, up on an elevated stage. So that's since then, that since they've had a new gym built since then. It's actually Katie Smith Gymnasium after, after her. But, I mean, those kind of games, the old-time games, are the games that I really miss. Those are the, I mean, you had great players, and, you know, there wasn't a lot of, to be quite frank, there wasn't a lot of, of stuff going around to blow these kids' names up. Um, it was an opportunity, hey, if so-and-so, if so, if Katie Smith could play, 
she had to prove it, and she did prove it. You know, and the opportunity, you know, nowadays it's 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 a lot different. But if you look at people like that game in particular, was one that I really, really will never forget. Getting to see that game live and in person was tremendous. Um, the two games I was a part of it when I was at TIP uh, to go to state when I was in high school were tremendous games. And you know, getting an opportunity to see you know teams like Anna and uh, Fairmont win state titles, CJ Alter Alter won the last three state titles. You know, uh, Fort Laramie Versailles state champion. So it's an opportunity to see the kids succeed. And you know, so I think. I've seen a lot of great games over the years. I can't really narrow one down, but I am excited uh, to see what this year holds because I know there'll be some highlights as well this year. We got Jim DeBelt on the fourth episode of the Gem on the Queen's Crown. Thank you for listening as we roll on through the interview. Jim, what's your favorite part of doing this? Well, I think um, meeting great people is tremendous. The families I've met, and been supportive over the years has really been great for me. Um, you know, obviously, you know, the opportunity to help people is, is what is, is what it's all about. You know, it gives me an opportunity to help get the kids' names out there. I've developed uh, a nice relationship with a lot of college coaches. Now, those change so often. It's hard to keep up with all the new ones, but um, I have developed a, a, a good track record and reputation with a lot of college coaches, which allow me to, I mean, they take it seriously. If I say you need to come watch this kid play, I'm not saying they're going to sign the kid, but they're going to at least consider looking at the kid, whether it's some parent or somebody who, you know, just gets into the game and tries to push their way to the top, you know, kind of, you know, it, I think it's all about credibility. And so I think if, the, if as, as you stay in the game for a long time and you build credibility, I think it just allows the kids to get more chances to get looked at by the coaches because they trust what you say. They at least look at the kid to determine whether they can play for them. And that's all I can ask. For those that might be listening, wanting to play basketball, either the high school, college level, what pieces of advice could you give to aspiring athletes out there? One of the biggest pieces of advice I can give is everybody thinks they're going to Ohio State or UConn when they're in 8th grade. And 98% of those kids or more don't go to those schools when they're seniors. So it's okay to have a dream of wanting to go to a dream school. Some of you, some of you will achieve that dream. Some of the very elite kids, and there are some in Ohio right now, that will play at those levels. But more realistically, I always tell kids, never close any opportunities, no doors for any opportunities. You know, because you could go to events that um, and get recognized by a smaller school, and you may be like, well, I'm not going to play there. I'm bigger than that. And then what happens when you throw that and don't respond to that, and then guess what? The big schools don't come calling and then you're trying to reestablish a relationship with somebody that you snubbed. I always tell kids, every single piece of mail you get or email, respond to. You never want to close any doors that you may need to open later. Um, the most important thing is take every offer seriously, take every interest seriously, because you may not want to go to a certain school right now, 
Um, you know, for example, at, you know, you look at a junior college. Back in the day when I was growing up, junior colleges were perceived as okay. To be quite honest, uh, in my eyes, it was like okay, these kids struggled academically, and that, nowadays that's not the case. Um, you look at these kids that go to Sinclair, go to Edison State, go to you know any of the schools like Clark State, um, schools like uh, Owens. Those schools put out tremendous educational and academic opportunities. And, you know, you go to some of these schools, and for example, I'll use Edison because I was just talking to their coach today. Hmm. Um, you know, you go to Edison, for example, um, they got a couple of really great, great players coming in this year that, you know, have a chance to play after they leave. So why not go to a Sinclair? Why not go to an Edison for two years, get your education paid for, and then transfer in Ohio somewhere else and have half the bill you would normally have, even if you're not good enough to play, let's say, at Dayton or Wright State, or let's say Xavier, Miami, Cincinnati, any of those schools, Bowling Green, whatever. Okay, so let's say you go to Edison or Sinclair for two years, and you get all your core classes out of the way, you get your education, your, your tuition paid for, you probably have to pay for books, but you'll get your tuition paid for, for two years, then you can go to Bowling Green or wherever you want to go for your last two years. Everything, I'm not sure about Sinclair, but everything in Edison transfers in Ohio. Every class you take at Edison will transfer to any school in Ohio, for example, just using them. And you go, so you take those classes, you go to Bowling Green. At this point, you have very, very limited debt, probably none because you're paying for your books as you use them. Then you go to Bowling Green, you finish out your two years, you get your degree, you get your diploma, your, your degree from that school, and you have half of your bill paid for because you went somewhere before that. So I always tell kids never, ever take advantage of a place that you don't think you want to go to. Division three basketball is tremendous. I love it. Um, you have to pay for it because they don't give athletic money. But if, you're, if your grades are good enough, you can get a lot of money there. And there, the, big, there's the, two, the, the biggest difference between Division One and Division Three are a couple things. Speed of the game and athleticism. Okay? Those two things are at, at a higher level, Division One. But you look at great shooters at the D3 level, they can compete with great shooters at the D1 level. It's just that maybe some other parts of their game – Maybe they weren't fast enough. Maybe they could shoot great, but they weren't fast enough or weren't athletic enough, but they could shoot the lights out. I'm telling you, Division Three basketball is tremendous. I recommend that also for kids that want to um, take advantage of playing at the next level. While we talk about D3, I mean, the Ohio Athletic Conference, I mean, you stay in the state for all your, all your conference foes, so you get to see different parts of the state as well and possibly play local but i tell you i wish they had i wish they had that for like broadcasters or something half the debt that sounds nice <laughs> oh tell me about it i know man i know the feeling <laughs> on that half the debt would be i mean in your field especially or and where i went to school it's all great to uh to think about that athletes or and, you know music majors sometimes a music music person or someone that's a very 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 high academic 30 ACT 4.0 GPA student, you know, they're going to go to school probably for nothing anyway. If you're, if you got a 30 GPA, you're probably going to school for free. 
So, you know, just for example, but, you know, you look at the opportunities that are there, and if, the, if you want to play bad enough in college, there is a place to play if you're halfway decent. And, you know, and, and the, the great thing about, like you said, about the Division three that league that you talked about, mm-hmm. think about all your friends and your family that could go to most of your games because most every game's within a four-hour drive at the, at the longest. You know, you may have to travel to Pennsylvania, West Virginia, whatever, Michigan, northern Michigan, but, the, but most of their conference in, ha- in the state, in-house. So, you know, you could go to the majority of games relatively easily by staying in the Division three level. So, you know, I encourage it. You know, and there's a lot of kids, there's a lot of kids that are, think they're D1 that are not D1. So I just encourage you, take advantage of any, you know, do your research, but take advantage of events you can go to that you think can make you better by qualified and credible trainers and go to events that have coaches or qualified and credible people running it. Anybody nowadays can put some, put an event on, but not they're not all credible and quality. Make sure you do your homework and stick with the people that have done it before because they're going to have your best interest in mind. Jim, we've talked about basketball for over 30 minutes. What else do you like in the sporting world? Well, you know, I grew up um, in 1981. I became a fan of the Cincinnati Reds back in the days of the icon Mario Soto, my favorite Red ever, um, throwing fastballs at 95 miles an hour, striking everybody out. But the team wasn't winning. And um, it's one of those things where I became a fan. I loved him. I I watched him. I kind of emulated him and stayed a Reds fan all my life. You know, I had some connections with the Milwaukee Brewers the last several years, so I got a chance to enjoy a couple games in Miller Park. But Red baseball has always been my first love, and I kind of – I really hope that they get things turned around and the young guys can start producing uh, big big football fan, big fan of the Bengals, the Chiefs are my two teams. Um, and ironically, a sport that's really close to your heart and a sport that I started really kind of falling in love with back in around 2009 or 10, maybe, maybe eight in that range, was hockey. You know, hockey is – I'm one of those guys that believe if you build it, they will come. And I really wish I heard your podcast talking about the, uh, the the possibility in the past of trying to get an arena downtown. I hope that someday that happens. You know, I'm a fan. People don't understand until you watch the sport live. So some people think it's some people think well, hockey is it's a, it's a dumb sport. Well, you don't understand it because it's a very fast-paced sport. It's the best athletes, I think, that and track, probably the best athletes in the world because if you're trying to skate at 20 miles an hour and you do it for like a minute, you're done. You're gassed. You know, you come out. The skill is incredible. The speed at the NHL level is incredible. And the talent level, you know, I'm a Pittsburgh Penguins fan, so obviously I've enjoyed life the last couple of years. But Columbus Blue Jackets locally, I, I like to see them succeed, and I really believe they have a chance to win the Metropolitan this year. Okay, but you know I'm a fan. I'm a fan that I love the sport, and I try to tell people just go to a game. If you go to an NHL game, you will be hooked, because that's all it took for me. Someone told me once, and I worked. I worked at Jonah Motors, and there's, and I used to make fun of the sport. I'm like, why would you? What is what, what is so big about that sport? 
someone's like, just go to a game. So I went to watch Ohio State play Notre Dame in a tournament at Wright State. Wright State had a tournament. Um, if I you remember, yeah, at the Nutter Center, and I can't remember Skip. Maybe what I can't remember what the guy's name was. It was a Lefty tournament. McFadden. Lefty, Lefty McFadden. McFadden. Lefty McFadden tournament. And I think it was Ohio State, Notre Dame, Michigan State might have been there. I sat and watched that game, and I'm like, with my son, and I'm like, this is incredible. And I've been a fan ever since. <clears throat> Picked up my fan, my, my fandom, so to speak, with the Penguins. And like I said, the last couple of years, if you follow me on Twitter, you know three things. <laughs> you know you know what girls basketball players are the ones to watch. You know what restaurants are the places to eat. And you know how the Penguins are doing. Because, <laughs> you know, I am a huge fan, and it just uh, I love the sport. I will always support it. And, yes, I support – I'm not a fan to the point to where I hate other teams. No, I'm, not a, I'm not a Philly Flyer fan. Sorry, guys. <laughs> but – uh, you know, I, you know, some people dislike, hate, hate teams. I, I like the Blue Jackets. I hope they have a great season. And if Pittsburgh doesn't win it, I hope they do. Okay, because I think they've 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 traded. They've got some young guys coming in. You know, I think they are going to be a team that's going to be a major major player this year. What are your thoughts? I hope so. I mean, things looked very promising last season for the Blue Jackets, but then that skid happened. And I remember, I think I was in Columbus for, might have been the All-Star game, might have been for another hockey game, but the sports talk hosts were talking about how they were worried about the Blue Jackets faring the playoffs, and it turned out it was Pittsburgh after all, and no, it wasn't a great series for Blue Jacket fans. Penguin fans, nothing to complain about, well, maybe that loss, but at the same time, yeah, that's that's... What I feel. I think the Blue Jackets are on the right track. It's just getting over the hump of first-round playoffs like our beloved Cincinnati Bengals, who forgot right. how to win the playoffs since 1990. Correct. Correct. And, you know, the thing is, you know, unfortunately for Blue Jacket fans, and I can't remember who beat them, didn't they get beat by Pittsburgh the last two years in the playoffs? Yes. Because, yes, I mean, and honestly, you know, so so two years ago, they win the Cup. Penguins win the Cup. Mm-hmm. And the Blue Jackets, you know, they, they just, you know, they made, hey, we made the playoffs, and we got to play the Penguins. I mean, the Penguins are, I think, were a better team last year than this year. And so they, you know, kind of rolled through them and got and won the Cup. So this year, you know, Blue Jackets won double-digit consecutive games around Christmas time. And I thought to myself, you know, this could be the year that the Blue Jackets finally, finally get through. Now, I still thought Pittsburgh could win it again because, you know, Crosby, Malkin, Chris Letang are all back. Uh, the defense is intact. Phil Kessel is playing well. And I really like Mike Sullivan. And I thought Pittsburgh could win it again, but I don't think they were as good of a team as last year. Um, obviously, the injuries hurt them. Missing Chris Letang, the entire playoffs really hurt them. But people were really upset about, well, the Penguins didn't make any moves in the summer. You know, if they won a three-peat, you know, they got rid of five guys or so. But what they feel to realize is it's almost like getting a guy because Chris Letang wasn't there in the playoffs. It's almost like you did get a new guy if Letang's healthy because you're going to add him to what they've got back next year. And I think they could three-peat. But, like I said, I think Washington, I think Washington's um, on the – 
I'm not saying downhill slide, but I don't think they're what they've been. I yeah, think right. the New York Rangers, Pittsburgh Penguins, and Columbus Blue Jackets are going to fight it out uh, in in the East. And you know, I really think the Blue Jackets have an opportunity to um, to do something next year and to to maybe make that next step. I'm hoping. I'm hoping as a Blue Jackets fan, but Pittsburgh's always there, you know. And Washington, I mean, they've had their chances. I know they've Pittsburgh's had their been in the way, but it's just it's you know, frustrating have... to see that Trotz has done so well with the Caps in the regular season, and then oh, here's the playoffs. Whoop! Early and exit. He, and here's the thing. Same with Sergey Bobrovsky. I can't pronounce his last name. Bobrovsky from Bobrovsky. You know, in the regular season, he is almost unstoppable. And then the playoffs came, and Pittsburgh, I'm not saying they had their way with them, but they kind of did. I mean, it's like, mm-hmm. you know, they, they scored more goals than, than most people thought they would have in the series, and they won the series. And, you know, Bob Bob struggled against the Penguins, but in the regular season, he proved he was probably the best keeper in the league. And, and you look at it, and it's like, if he comes back and puts together a playoffs that mirror his regular season next year with what they've got back, I think the Blue Jackets could win the Metropolitan and be one of the top two teams in the East, you know, in the regular season. And I'm no athlete. I ha- I haven't played sports, but if there was a way just to think, oh, well, this is just more regular season, you know, treat playoffs like a regular season almost, like don't get it in your head, therefore you're just worrying about your job type of thing. I know, easier said than done. I'm not an athlete. But if you could figure that part out, bam. And you mentioned hockey. We talk hockey. Jim was actually my first color commentator for the Dayton Demons, the Federal Hockey League team that stuck around Hare Arena for three years. And they won the Cup in 2013-2014. And that's probably one of the fondest sports moments that I'll ever have. And, I mean, I wear the ring to everything I go to. Uh, I promise you on that. But first game we did, the Dayton Demons defeated the Danville Dashers 4-2, to two, and that set up my hockey broadcasting career almost. Yeah, and the crazy thing is you, you dug to the bottom of the barrel to bring me in to do that game. No. And then, and, no. Then, and, then you, and then I left, and your career took off. So you can thank me for leaving, for having an awesome career to get me out of that <laughs> No, oh, I enjoyed I, it. I, I, you know, I don't know. I'm very new to the sport. When I say that, I'm a fa- I've been a fan for ten years, but I'm new to the actual rule, the rules, the offside rule, as we saw in the Stanley Cup last year when her, when the guy's skate blade was a quarter inch off the ice, and they called that. Um, the rules, just like soccer, um, are completely. Some of them are foreign, like the offside rule. I'll never figure so- soccer's offside rule out ever, but. And- the offside rule in soccer is pretty much you can't just hail mary a pass to the front guy in front of the defense. I, I mean, I kind of get the premise, but there's times like, wait, what? And there's other times like, wait, that wasn't offside. You know I something? Mean, you know, I, I say this jokingly, but I have people. I mean, this part's real, but I've had people tell me, ask me, what is icing? I, that's the most common question every year. People who don't know, people know that I like hockey. If you go to a basketball game that I'm at, you'll know that I'm a hockey fan, okay? 
because I gear up with every, and I get all I have all their gear. I have all the pens gear that I get from them all the time. You know when I go over there, and so I'm loaded up every year. People ask me what is icing. I said the closest thing I know to what icing is or what I put on my rolls in the morning because believe me, I love icing. And I love rolls. <laughs> I was, was going to say icing is delicious. That's all you icing need to is, know. Of it. Yeah. If somebody asks me what icing is, I'll say it's the little thing you open up when you make those cinnamon rolls out of that tube, and you have that white icing that is so delicious you can <laughs> eat it by itself, right? But honestly, and I'll tell you something else, another endeavor that I'm starting, because I've been in the media for 30 years, right, uh, doing <laughs> mostly basketball, but I cover I cover five schools. I cover sports for the Tip City, New Carlisle, and Enon newspapers. So I cover Tecumseh, Bethel. Tip City, Northwestern, and Greenan. Those are the five schools that I cover all the sports, all, all, fall, all fall, winter, and spring. I just did my tennis preview today, actually this morning, for next week. So I've been in the media for a long time and, you know, been credentialed media for 30 years, whatever. So I have kind of taken it on myself to create a new media site for the Penguins that I'm going to run myself starting next season. I'll have game stories. I'll have whatever, schedules, up-to-date stuff. So I'm trying to get that word out to my hockey fans, which, of course, you have a big hockey following, so hopefully you know, I could probably piggyback off you and maybe get some of your hockey fans to follow it. But, you let me know when launch day is. I'll retweet it. I'll share it. I'll uh, I'll get the word out for you, man. Yeah, I appreciate that. I'm, I'm, I'm going to try to do the Penguins, hopefully. Um you know, trying to, you know, I'm kind of breaking into a new market. They really don't know me too well. That aspect of the team doesn't, you know. But I'm trying to trying to get something together to where it's fun for me. It can be fun for fans. And, you know, it's like, you know, it's not like, I mean, I'm, I'm established media, so it's maybe easier for me to get into this than the average person. But I am going to do my best that when, when, this, when the preseason starts, hopefully I'll have, you know, hopefully I can get on their media media list where they can send me stuff like press releases. Start that way until I can establish a basis, figure out what I want to do. But hopefully that is an avenue. Give it a try for a year, right, and see how it goes. That sounds awesome, Jim. I you like know, that. Hopefully. I wish though, I wish that you had high school hockey to cover up there. Um, high school hockey is kind of far and few between, especially in the Dayton area. Because there's a lot of schools that don't have it, right? And I, and I used to actually we used to have a paper in Troy, so I used to cover the Troy high school hockey team. So I, I really enjoyed working with the, with the Trojans and working with with Hobart, um, and just just between me and you and all of your millions and millions, as The Rock would say, fans <laughs> listening to the podcast right now, I wish we could bring hockey whether it be gem style, demon style, or demolition style, to Hobart Arena in Troy. That would be pretty cool. But have you seen Hobart all finished up? I have not been inside of it yet. Um, like I said, I have a friend who, who's involved with, with with Hobart. I just haven't gotten a chance to go through it. I might do that actually next week and stop in after work and check it out. But I'm, I've not been through it, the upgraded version yet. But I'm sure it's tremendously amazing. I will say, when I was there for the Miami Valley Freeze tournament, when the Cinnabar Elks were playing up in Troy, yes, uh, it wasn't quite finished. But wow, I mean, we're talking about a building that was home to my first internship out of college. 
So right. Hobart will always have a special place in my heart for that. But just looking back as like, wow, is this a new building? Type so of so tell me tell me what you see in the building. Tell me what some of the bigger differences that fans are going to notice when they walk into Hobart. Okay, so you know how the old entrance to Hobart was facing the west towards 75? Correct. Now the new one, the new entrance faces south towards the river. Oh, okay, so it's on that yeah. side. Gotcha. Yeah. It, okay. Man, it's been about six months since I've been up there, but uh, it's a pretty big entrance, a lot of glass, it's very bright. Uh, okay. New scoreboard, it's uh, bright white lights. Not light bulb, but like LED. Oh, nice! So hanging above the ice. Yep, that's hanging tremendous. above the ice. That's tremendous. You know, and it will be really cool when this is something that maybe you and I could collaborate on. It'd be neat to do some kind of a hockey charity game at Hobart sometime. Between your connections with former Dayton players and um, maybe Bombers players, it'd be if we can get guys that are still in shape. <laughs> I think it'd be fun to do some kind of a charity game there at Hobart. I know the owner of South Metro Sports, Nick Poe. That would be right up his alley, too. I mean, South Metro Sports in Centerville, and I don't think I've mentioned it much on the podcast, but I owe a lot to Nick Poe. Because after the demolition kind of collapsed and Hera shut down, um, I got the opportunity to help call some junior hockey, the Cincinnati Thunder, Right. And a couple games into the season, Nick's like, hey, you want to call some Centerville hockey? I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'll call some Centerville hockey. And then it turned out to be Centerville, Springboro, and Kettering Alter. Also some games for the Dayton Stealth and the Tri-State Spartans, which are uh, youth hockey organizations. So Yes, we I, have a couple guys up here in the Miami County that play for the Stealth. So I'm a little familiar with that, and I'm actually going to plan on trying to hit one of those games next year in the fall. But, yeah, it's tremendous. I mean, the sport is – I mean, I wish we could get it to grow in Dayton. I don't know what else we can do. I mean, you know, I mean, it's hard to get media coverage sometimes. And, you know, but honestly, you know, obviously the fan, the fan base – you had your diehard Demons and Demolition fan mm-hmm. fans, I should say, but, you know – it's hard for the average person to come in off the street and watch the game. It's how do you reach people? I just don't know. Yeah, it's that's been the big problem. It's just how to reach the people that might not know about hockey. It's like, hey, come to a game. Oh, wait, there's hockey here? Yeah, it's exactly. Just, it's something that I try to do with social media and with my podcasts. Like, hey, there's sports around here. Go see them. Except it's not as that. It's not as brass as that because I'd have like a two-minute podcast like, hey, here's some stuff. Go see them. <laughs> That's my podcast. Yeah. Bye. That's pretty much it, right? <laughs> pretty yeah. much. Except yeah. now I stretch it to 40 minutes talking about that stuff. That's awesome, yeah. But I, I just want to say before we do go that, um, Lee, you're doing a great thing with the podcast. Um, I think it's tremendous to have someone from this community dedicate that much time to put together something that we're trying to get to grow. It's hard to get people to join and listen if they don't, if they are not familiar with it. But I think you're doing it the right way and you're doing the right things. And I really appreciate the opportunity to be on your podcast. And I wish you all the best when it comes to it because you got a fan here. I'll be listening. 
Thank you, Jim. I appreciate the kind words and your friendship, of course. And for me, the real big reason I started doing this podcast is there's a lot of Dayton sports out there. There's a lot of Cincinnati sports out there, too. I love both Cincinnati and Dayton, although I haven't been in Cincinnati much lately. But at the same time, these athletes, these teams, they deserve your time. They deserve, hey, go out, watch them. You might like them. You will like them. I mean, right now there's only Dragons until College Soccer starts, which is soon. Actually, yes. Next week, technically, Flyers and, you know, and women when have, bas- a, have a when two bas- scrimmages. Definitely. And then and when basketball starts, um, hopefully I'll see you uh, maybe at some games and work with some people, and maybe we can uh, – Hopefully, uh, you know, maybe I'll run into you at some good girls' games this year, and and uh, you know, and that's an, and that's another thing you have an opportunity with this with this podcast as it continues to grow, interviewing some of these high school football coaches, athletes, and basketball, baseball coaches. I mean, you, you, the sky is the limit for you on this thing. And honestly, you know, if I don't know if you remember, but so, several years ago, I had a girls' basketball radio show that mm-hmm. I had out of Dayton. And I had actually been talking to Doug about kind of bringing that back to life at some point this year. So you may see, you may hear some girls basketball talk for all the for all the basketball fans that are listening. You know, I hope you just give the girls a chance. I know boys basketball is where all the attention's taken at and, and drawn to a lot of times, especially with flying to the hoop. Eric does a great job with that event, but there is girls basketball, and and this area has had three has had Alter, who won three consecutive state championships the last three years. About three or four years ago, for all four state champions were from Versailles, Fort Laramie, Alter, and Lakota West. So you go straight down 75 in an 80-mile radius, and you've got all four state champions. That was about three or four years ago. So... Give these kids your time and your effort. Go, you know, go to the games, listen to the games, support the people that put time into it, because these kids otherwise won't get a lot of attention and love from people, except for people like us that just love to do it and love to help the kids. So, I encourage and plead with everybody: give the kids your time and support. Jim, if fans want to reach out to you, follow your stuff. Uh, where are you pointing them? Okay, so the uh, website is uh, jimdebelt.wordpress.com, but that will probably change to just jimdebelt.com when I when I get the domain name and link it up with a brand new look of the Debelt Report, which is hopefully going to launch hopefully this weekend. Okay, and then you can follow me on Twitter at jdabs86. I'm also on Instagram, I'm on Snapchat, and I'm on Facebook. And so you can search my name on all those, and you'll probably find them okay, no problems. Um, you know, I know I, I enjoy seeing your stuff, and there's obviously the media. You know, nowadays media is more than waiting for your newspaper like our grandpas used to do and sit out there on the porch and wait for the paper to show up at 8 o'clock. Now news is immediate. Thanks to Twitter, news and sports are immediate. So – you know, give us a follow, you know, follow Lee, follow, you know, he does a great job with sports. Follow me as well for basketball. And if you're a hockey fan, you're going to have to tolerate the Penguins, but you can still follow me. You know, you can just <laughs> ignore it. No, no funny comments when Crosby does bad stuff or whatever. No bad stuff, right? But, 
it, it's all good, and I really enjoy um, communicating with the fans and stuff. It's a great opportunity to, um, to you know, give back to the community and, and really support our local athletes. Jim, thanks for your time, okay? I appreciate it. Thank you very much. I think we talked over the over your limit, but I'm, I, uh, I really appreciate the opportunity to talk with you and talk to all your fans. Thank you very much, Jim. And that will wrap up episode number four of the Gem on the Queen's Crown. Episode number five is going to be a special one as well. And I certainly hope you'll tune in for that one as well. For Jim DeBelt, my name's Lee W. Mowen. You can follow me on Twitter at the Lee W. Mowen, Facebook, Instagram, and all those social media contacts too. The Lee W. Mowen is where it's at. Also, the Lee W. Mowen.com, and also the host of the Queen Crown with the Gem on it, which is totally my new podcast name. I can't believe I messed that up. GemCitySports.com, GCSN, the Gem City Sports Network. Again, thank you, Doug. Thank you, Brian, for letting me host my podcast on GCSN. That's a wrap. Talk to you in episode number five.